Welcome to Deal Us In, a podcast brought to you by McGuire Woods and Seven Mile Advisors. Deal Us In promotes the advancement of women in private equity and finance through conversations with women leaders and rising stars in the private equity and finance space. These conversations provide both insights and practical takeaways to inform your deal work and enhance the culture of your organization. If you're ready to drive the industry toward a more inclusive and diverse environment, then it's time to come to the table. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of DLSN. This podcast, one of the first of its kind, is brought to you by McGuire Woods and Seven Mile Advisors. One of my favorite quotes is that well-behaved women rarely make history. This podcast focuses not only on how women are critical leaders and pivotal team members in private equity and finance, but how inclusion of diverse perspectives at the table and the substantive experience we bring can change the game itself. I'm Kelsey Hitchcock. I'm a senior associate in the Pittsburgh office of McGuire Woods. My practice focuses primarily on mergers and acquisitions for clients ranging from independent sponsors to private equity funds and middle market companies. I'm joined today by my colleagues and co-hosts, Andor Sitt, Phyllis Young, and Ariel Barker. Thanks, Kelsey. Women in Private Equity and Finance is a McGuire Woods initiative that promotes the advancement of women in the private equity and lending space through a series of industry-focused events. It's a networking platform that raises the profile of women, shares thought leadership, expands business opportunities, and most importantly, fosters diversity in this sector. Our events include networking events at major conferences, local pop-ups across the country, and profiles of women in the industry, both leaders and rising stars. If you tweet, you can find us at hashtag MWPEWomen. DLSN is another initiative that McGuire Woods, in partnership with Seven Mile Advisors, are undertaking. DLSN is a bi-weekly podcast delivering in-depth interviews with leading women in the private equity and finance industry in conjunction with substantive education, which offers practical takeaways and information on relevant topics. Our primary target is women in the industry, as well as men and people interested in learning about women in underrepresented corporate leadership positions. I'm the PE and finance adjacent member of the team. I started my legal career as a litigator in insurance recovery. I moved to North Carolina and went in-house and then joined what is now McGuire Wood nearly 20 years ago. My insurance background led me to representation and warranties insurance 10 years ago. As that product has grown in the use in M&A deals, my practice has shifted away from litigation and toward supporting transactional clients with insurance needs. I'm counsel with McGuire Woods located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ariel, tell us about the mission of DLSN. Thanks, Anne. When we first started discussing this podcast, we started doing a bit of research and found that there's a void of podcasts focusing on women in private equity. We felt like there were important conversations to be had, and we wanted to offer that platform for women to have those conversations and join in on those discussions. This platform, the DLSM podcast, will highlight women in the industry and allow them to provide guidance on deal work and industry trends. We aim to educate our listeners about women and connect them on common issues that they're experiencing within the finance and private equity industry. Our overarching goal is to promote the advancement of women in the private equity and finance space via thought leadership and the sharing of experiences. We will use this podcast to broaden the WPEF network and help the industry continue to make progress. 
I'm Ariel Barker, a director at Seven Mile Advisors responsible for heading up our business development and marketing efforts. Seven Mile is a boutique investment bank specializing in M&A advisory services for business services, technology, and healthcare firms across the world. We were founded back in 2008 and have completed over 160 successful transactions in the past decade. While the majority of our team is based in our corporate office in Charlotte, we also have satellite offices in Pennsylvania and Florida. I've been with the firm for two years, and before that worked in the strategic marketing role in the advertising industry, serving CPG brands. Ironically, my primary client was a PE-backed brand, so I had the, had the opportunity to learn about the private equity world before officially joining it in January of 2018. In my current role, I handle a lot of our private equity coverage, so I have the opportunity to meet many amazing women in the space who I hope you get to learn more about soon. And finally, I'd like to introduce Phyllis Young, who will tell you a little bit more about what to expect from this podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Phyllis Young, and I am a partner in the debt finance practice at McGuire Woods. I practice in our Dallas office as well as our Houston office. I represent borrowers and lenders in debt finance transactions as well as debt restructuring. So I help out companies when they are in need of borrowing funds for their working capital and other corporate needs as well as represent banks and non-bank lenders when they are deploying their capital and their debt investments. And I also work on the occasional restructuring of debt when we are in economic downturns. I've worked for the last 19 years primarily in Houston. I've recently expanded my practice to Dallas. So my uh, industry experience really spans the full value chain of energy and oil and gas. And I also have expertise in other industries, such as retail, manufacturing, and steel industries. Deal Us In will bring you inside the conversation with leading women of the private equity and finance industry, from the experienced and credentialed woman with years under her belt, to the emerging talent making waves in the industry, to the women creating change at their workplaces. We'll mix it up with diverse women who will share practical advice and takeaways, and we'll offer insight, talk about challenges, and of course, success. On this podcast, you can expect relatable conversations with professionals we hope will inspire you. With that, Ariel, how about kicking off some of our Q&A? Perfect. So in order for you guys to learn a little bit more about the host, we did want to do a roundtable between the four of us and just kind of toss some questions around so that you can learn more about our background and the experience that we have in this industry. So, Kelsey, I'll kick it off with you. What inspired you to join the industry? Why did you want to get into practicing around private equity and finance? Thanks, Ariel. There's two things I really love about your work. First, I love the adrenaline rush of it. I don't think that there's any greater sense of accomplishment than when you get off the closing call at the end of the deal and everything is done. Every every late night you put into it, all the hard work that led up to that call is completed and you've tied it up with a nice bow. The second thing I love about deal work is it's rare in the law that you find a field where the party's interests are at least somewhat aligned, right? In every deal, you have adversarial parties. That's the nature of anything we do in the law. But in this case, everyone wants to get to closing. And someone is going to leave that table with money in their pocket 
and someone's going to leave the table with a new business enterprise that they're excited about building. Those are my primary reasons of what I love about PE work. Kelsey, that is so funny because as a starting out as a litigator where the clients were never happy and transitioning into transactional work, I had the exact same takeaway. The way I like to explain it, particularly to younger associates or law students is, while there are negotiations in M&A work, everyone wants to get to the same place. You're arguing about the best way to get to New York. In litigation, one party wants to go to New York and the other party wants to go to Florida and you end up in North Carolina, so neither party is happy. I definitely love the happy aspect of M&A work. And one thing, my I had a law school professor, my contracts professor, that, I mean, I just thought he was real inspiration, but he always said that when you enter into a courtroom, it's like entering into the operating room, and one of two things is going to happen, and one of them is not good. Uh, <laughs> and I think that that's true, and that's uh, every document I draft, I'm trying to stay away from the courtroom. Hey, Phyllis, what are some resources that helped you along the way? For me, I always go back to the people. For me, for resources that I found most helpful really were the senior associates and the partners that I was working with as a junior associate and observing them from, you know, how they actually did the legal work, but probably more importantly, how they worked with clients and managed working with clients along with the legal work. So that to me, kind of looking, observing, looking at role models, especially other senior women and how they were doing things, I found that to be very helpful resources for me as a junior associate and kind of making my way up the chain. And of course, there are other types of resources that helped me out along the way, like being up to date uh, with industry, so keeping informed on a daily basis really about with industry periodicals, financial periodicals, as well as just keeping up to date with the law and every developments and cases, that sort of thing. So really, I think being in this industry, plus being an attorney, there you're really having to wear a lot of hats and be informed. And when I'm doing debt work, I, I have to know what's going on in the market and what's going on in the stock market and what's going on with interest rates and all these things. Because you know, a lot of these real world issues go into our actual debt documents. So, and that's actually, you know, one of the things that I really find enjoyable about doing debt work is that obviously clients are borrowing money and that sort of thing. There's, there's the basics of what it is, but it's real world. There's a real world reason, a business need for why we're doing the actual transactions and all the outside factors that are going on in the general economy factor into our actual deal terms. So, I mean, I just find that really interesting, and that's what keeps me doing this work on a daily basis. Ariel, what was your first big rookie mistake, and how did it make you feel? How did you overcome it? So, actually, what I would consider my first big rookie mistake actually happened back when I was still working in advertising but I think it's an issue that a lot of women in business deal with at some point. So I had been at the advertising firm that I was working at for just a few months and the creative director and one of the co-owners 
said, hey, we have a client coming in today. I would like you to run the meeting, even though I'll be in there. And I was still extremely concerned about honoring kind of the order of seniority in the room and honestly did not step up and run the meeting as much as I should have because I was so concerned with stepping on her toes or coming across wrong in her eyes. And after the meeting, I had a very stern talking to about how I had basically not done what was asked of me. So I think I learned a really important lesson that day that if someone in a senior position asks you to lean in and gives you the opportunity to lean in and make an impact, do it. I think as women, we're always very conscious of being nice and being appropriate and not stepping on toes that it can actually be a detriment to our success sometimes. So that was a tough lesson to learn. I definitely shed a lot of tears in the bathroom that day, which I think is something else we can all think back to in a situation where it happened to each of us at some point. But that was definitely my first big rookie mistake, and it's something that I carry with me into the private equity and finance ecosystem because I'm always dealing with meetings where sometimes I might be meeting with a more senior person, sometimes I might be meeting with a more junior person, but no matter the situation, being willing to lean in and step up and run those conversations, I think is so important. So Anne, I'll ask you, have you experienced any big surprises in the industry? You mentioned coming into M&A from litigation. Was there anything that surprised you or anything you kind of came up against that you weren't quite expecting? Well, in addition to how happy the clients were and how energized and outgoing the clients were, I found that to be true with the corporate attorneys that I was starting to work with. I find the McGuire Woods Private Equity Group Practice Group is extremely generous with providing communication opportunities to lawyers with their clients directly. They actively look for ways to engage the right people with the clients. I think one of the things that surprised me was, and it's a bit of a negative, is that M&A work can make scheduling vacations a challenge. Unlike litigation, where you have set deadlines, you know when discovery ends, you, it's far easier to actually schedule a, a vacation. With M&A work, you can go from zero to 60 in a day and into the night and into the weekend and into vacation. So one of the things as my practice got bigger, one of the things that I was able to do with firm support was to bring in a couple of people to help me to actually allow me a few hours of vacation every now and then. And so again, with the support of the firm, it's uh, been able to work through it, but it really surprised me how little control I have over my calendar. And I think that's really true about controlling your own schedule. I think that deal work is kind of a lifestyle choice and we're always on call. We always need to be ready to go. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're not delivering life-saving care or anything, but the deals we're working on are important to our clients and that's the primary focus in their day-to-day -day work. And so it needs to be in ours too. And so I think, I think it goes back to the point about adrenaline, right? We're always just driving towards the deal. It has a life of its own and we just need to make sure that it stays on track. Phyllis, 
Can I ask you, how have you seen the industry grow since you first started practice? Yes, a lot. It's crazy because this year is actually my, I'll be starting my 20th year of practicing law, which is kind of amazing to me in a lot of ways. I think, and when I look back on things, at at my first firm that I started with as a first-year associate, we were were offered either a laptop or a BlackBerry. So that was kind of, it was an either-or sort of thing, and eventually we got laptops and BlackBerrys. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of where we were from a technology standpoint. So now, I mean, it seems kind of crazy if you don't have a laptop and your iPhone. That's just kind of standard issue for practicing law, really. So the technology has changed. The pace at which we practice has changed a lot. It used to be when I started practicing, we had a lot more time to really sit and think about doing the deals. We had, you know, sometimes weeks to do due diligence, but the pace has really gotten a lot more compressed in doing transactions uh, much faster. We're working a lot faster. I've worked on some public company deals where we basically got it done over a weekend even. So the pace has changed. The rate at which we get information, actually very good information has changed too. So Back when I first started practicing, you'd get your occasional updates and that sort of thing. Information that you'd get on the internet was pretty good, but, you know, kind of questionable. But now, you know, on a daily basis, I get so many subscriptions with information about legal practice, about the industry, and, you know, somewhat in some ways, you're just kind of getting constantly bombarded with information and having to filter all of that in addition to your daily practice. And so that can be a challenge at times, but it's definitely something, again, that's just, you know, there's just more and more of it that you have to experience and factor in on a really daily basis. And, you know, from the perspective of being a woman in the industry, I think it's kind of interesting because in some ways things have changed, in some ways things have stayed the same. I would say now you definitely see a lot more women in senior positions now, which is good to see. And, uh, you know, a lot more recognition given to women and, you know, what we offer, what we bring to the table in terms of our leadership skills. So kind of when I first started practicing, there was still that, you know, to be a successful woman leader, you kind of still had to act like a man. I think, or sort of try to imitate what men would do. But now I think there's more of a recognition on of what we as women, uh, what we bring to the table in terms of our leadership skills and what our strengths are, and you know, bringing that just more recognition of our our strengths as women and what we bring to the table as far as our leadership skills. Phyllis, I've had the same experience in terms of the more visible presence of women. When I first started, I was typically the only woman on a call. And now, having a very common first name, I often have to distinguish myself from any other Anne who might be on the call by saying, this is insurance Anne. So I think it's it's one of the great things that I've seen is the increased presence of women on deals, both within the firm and on the client side. 
talking about these changes, it kind of brings us around to what we wanted to be our signature closing on all of our podcasts. So as we were talking about what's the best way to close out each of our segments, we wanted to be sure that we really humanized women in private equity. I think Phyllis hit the nail on the head saying that historically a lot of women felt like they had to act like a man to get ahead in this industry. And what we're seeing now is that's not the case. Women can be women and still get ahead. Uh, so how we wanted to end all of our segments, and we'll, we'll start with this very first episode, is asking the question, if you could go back and give your 22-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? So, Anne, I'll actually send it right back to you since you just gave us that great insight into the changes that you've seen. If you could go back to that 22-year-old fresh junior associate version of yourself and give her a piece of advice, what would it be? Ariel, I think I would tell my 22-year-old self to get comfortable asking colleagues, friends, and family for networking opportunities. In my experience, men are so much more comfortable with this. And I think as women, we need to learn how to take advantage of the connections we have, not only connections with women, with connections with men and women. And to be able to go to them and say, hey, I would like to talk to your company about a possible opportunity, or would you give me an introduction to somebody at your firm who I think we could connect with? Men are far more comfortable with that. And so that's the advice that I would give to myself is start doing it and practicing it so that you are much more comfortable with it earlier. What about you, Kelsey? What would you tell your 22-year-old self? I would say your voice matters. I think it goes back to what Ariel had said on her rookie mistake question. We often demote our voices to the voices of others. And I think if you see something in a transaction, you may be the only person that has seen it. And just because something has always been done one way doesn't mean that that's the right way to do it. You're the one on your boots on the ground. You're the one taking this from soup to nuts. You trust yourself, raise issues, and more importantly, propose a solution. Ariel, what would you, what advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? Yeah, if I could go back and give her a piece of advice, I would probably tell her to stop trying to figure everything out and just go with her gut. When I was in my early 20s, I spent a lot of time trying to please other people. And frankly, it led to a lot of dead ends professionally. So now in my late 20s, I've learned that by making choices that are more authentic to me, life is a lot sweeter and I can be just as successful doing things that way. So I would suggest for her to take the job that everyone thinks you're crazy to take, move to the new city by yourself, go on a blind date with a guy your mom sets you up with, be willing to trust your gut because sometimes that's when things kind of take you to right where you're supposed to be. And Phyllis, we will close out. I will ask you the same question we're kind of batting around. If you could go back, what would you tell younger you? It kind of along the same lines of uh, you, Ariel, as well as what Ann said, I would tell myself, get comfortable taking some risks, whether they take some calculated risks, but just get comfortable with that. Get outside of your comfort zone. 
you know, I think, you know, at age 22, you're kind of really completing your education, possibly going into grad school or law school. But kind of all along, all those previous years, you've had milestones that were really set for you. Like, you know that to graduate high school, you need to do these things. In order to graduate from undergrad, you need to do these things. And when you're at that age 22 or when, when you're finishing up college or grad school, you have to really set your own milestones. So you, you have to be, think creatively and set your own path. So I would just tell myself at that age, you know, be prepared to take some risks because you're going to get a big return for them. Thanks, Phyllis. So as we start out on this new journey of the DLSN podcast, we really want to be sure that this is a community and that everyone listening feels like they're involved. So we would love for you to submit any of your questions, any of your opinions, any potential topics that you would like to hear us talk about by heading to our website, which is dlsnpodcast.com. And there's some different forms there that you can fill out and give us your feedback because we would love to incorporate all of that into our future episodes as we build out this community and really launch this platform for a lot of great conversations. Deal up. Deal up. Deal up. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of DLSN. If you have a recommendation for an inspiring interviewee, a question you'd like us to ask, or a topic you would like to hear covered, or if you'd like to tell us about women-focused initiatives in the field, please go to our website at www.dlsnpodcast.com. We look forward to hearing from you.